0: Let's get started. Today I'm sharing the audio from a podcast I recently did with Chris Overlay from Optimized Digital. They're a digital marketing agency for craft breweries. Now this is one in a two-part series, so you can listen to this podcast where Chris interviews me and we talk about financial plans, pricing, cost of goods sold, and really the interplay with your financial plan and your marketing plan, how the two can, can complement each other and really work together. And then in part two, I interview Chris, and we dig in to the elements of a marketing plan. You know, where do you start with something like this? What should it look like? How do you implement it? What are the key pieces? You know, what are the fundamental marketing tactics that really stand the test of time? And what are specific marketing strategies that you can think about as we hopefully exit the COVID era and the pandemic that we've all been through over the last few years. So for now, please enjoy my podcast with Chris Overlay from Hoptimized Digital.
1: Finance is this really important thing that's kind of challenging. Marketing is this really important thing that's kind of challenging. And the two are are related in, in a lot of ways. And I we're going to try to link these two and shed some light on these things. And hopefully we can accomplish that. Um, but, uh, I guess to start, you know, I I do this with, with everything. It's like, why, why are we even talking about this? Why is it important? Um, and I want to ask you that question to kind of kick things off Is like, why is financial cleanliness and attention to finance important for a brewery at all to be focused on or to care about or to dedicate time towards?
0: I love the question. Yeah, I I talk a lot about this concept of financial literacy. So, financial literacy is really understanding the numbers of your business. So, you know, we have financial statements, we got income statements, balance sheets, cash flows, metrics, KP. We got all these numbers that are kind of thrown around, and they all tell us different things. But the overarching why is, you know, when we learn to read and understand the financials of our business, we really gain a measure of control. And I think there's a lot of, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty these days. And there's a lot of uncertainty generally about, and I get this question a lot from clients is I just, you know, I don't know how I'm doing. You know, it's like, I don't know if my numbers are right. Uh, I don't exactly know where I need to be. I mean, I know generally I need money in the bank, but I don't really know how to forward forecast what's going to happen tomorrow, next month, the next year. So the why behind, you know, really understanding and gaining that financial understanding is, is to gain a measure of control uh, so that we know what actions to take. So we know where our gaps are. We know what's working or not working. Um, So it's, it's literacy in the sense that, you know, we can all read a book and read a story and understand what it's telling us for the most part. Uh, But most folks can't really read in numbers. So that's what financial literacy is. And that's, that's really what, why I'm doing what I'm doing is to try to show people how numbers can be approachable, how we can kind of start, and they don't need to be super complicated. You know, I think it's something maybe the CPAs and the of the world have kind of messed up for everybody else is, oh, it's really complicated, debits and credits. I don't talk about any of that stuff. I talk about your business, and we relate the numbers to your business and what you're seeing, how to interpret the information so you can make ultimately better decisions.
1: Yeah, I'm really, that's a great way to, to start this uh, financial literacy, is a good term as well. And knowing where you're at is so important to figuring out things and being accurate at where you're at. I remember the first time I hired a bookkeeper. Uh, really, like the first time we did it, wasn't very good. But you know, we hired this other third party company in, in one of the agencies I owned. and it was like, man, it's like a, you know, a whole new world situation where it's like, man, we're really looking at things very accurately. We know where we're spending money. We know how much we're spending on each category. And then you can start to like make decisions, like real actionable decisions on things you can do to either reduce costs or forecast out and, you know, budget things appropriately. But you could never really do that before until you, you couldn't do it until you really knew where you're at and you were actually keeping account of all these things, right? uh, it's opening as a business speaking from personal experience. And I'm sure you see that a lot too. And talking to people, once they see like what, like they want to actually see an accurate picture, it has to be like light bulbs going off. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot of, uh, you know, some people will come to me and they're like, you know, I'm pretty sure my numbers are all messed up. I don't know what they're telling me. Uh, you know, can you help? And mostly what they they'll start with is, you know, they're messed up, but I really want to know what you know, the key metrics are. Tell me what I should And I said, well, first we got to get your numbers right. So that's the hard work, you know, that, that might come with the reaping the rewards later. So, you know, getting things right. We talk about blocking and tackling. So it's, if you're a football fan, you're not going to get very far in the game. If you don't have good blocking and tackling, these are, these are the fundamentals that need to happen. So we need to start with really examining what are your systems right now around your bookkeeping. Um, cause if it's garbage in garbage out, you know, you need to understand, here's my process around how I'm processing inventory, uh, inventory, for example, how am I, how am I valuing my inventory, of my brewery? Uh, how am I tracking that stuff? How am I tracking the flow of costs? Um, how does that move through the system? How am I looking at my invoices that come in from my suppliers and my vendors? You know, how do I know I'm paying the right thing? How did I know I actually got that? So there's a whole, a whole number of steps that we kind of need to go through to make sure. The blocking and tackling is taken care of so that the numbers get in properly. And that takes a little bit of time and a little bit of doing. But once we have that, now we've kind of laid the groundwork for okay, now we can read and interpret and try to figure out what these numbers are actually telling us.
1: So, you know, I, I guess where is some of the practical like uses once you have things accurate so once you're you know you you've done the the work on the fundamentals your your accurate is you're accurate in what you're counting and what you're measuring you've got some you're you're measuring it, consistent metrics across the board like is the next step like forecasting and, and trying to figure out what's next you know and looking at okay what should may look like what should june look like how much cost should i expect here like is that really the next practical application of know this system or 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 the next step
0: yeah once once you have your blocking and tackling once you have a reasonable understanding of what your process looks like and a reasonable comfort level that i'm getting the outcomes i want from this process you know when i pay those bills i'm confident that i've got the, the necessary documentation right the invoice matches up to the purchase order which is what i ordered which matches up to the bill of lading which is what i received everybody's checked off and counted. I, I feel comfortable paying this. I, I got the right quantity at the right price. Once you've established that, you know, it's really important to have a financial plan. You know, I, I I'm trying to get away from the word budget because nobody likes that word, but you know, we all know what it means.
1: Right. So I,
0: I tend to use the word financial plan because you want to have a plan. Like it's, it's cliche. You know, if you don't have a plan, you know, you don't really know where you're going. Right. And, and, it, yeah. and that's, that can be problematic when, when you're talking about, Uh, financial results and cash flow. So yes, it's the first step that I recommend after we get things kind of organized is let's create a plan, you know? And it's, uh, let's approach it step-by-step. Any big project, you break it down into small chunks. Uh, Let's look at what outcomes we're trying to get. We want a sales plan, right? We want to try to project what we can expect for sales. We want a margin plan. What are we going to make on those sales? And we want an operating expense plan. What are we going to spend... And how does that compare to the the margin dollars that we expect to get in, and what does that mean for the bottom line? And then we're going to kind of layer in some some cash flow items that don't necessarily show up on the income statement. So when we're thinking about a financial plan, we really need to project out those things: sales margins and operating expenses and net income. And then we need to take it to the next step and think about, okay, that's interesting. Uh, are there other things that are going to affect cash flow? That aren't comprehended within the income statement within those, within that net income number, and there are right. So if we if we're borrowing money, uh, we're we're paying back the bank. You know, we start up a brewery, we borrow, you know, money for equipment and so forth. You know, we're going to have debt service, we're going to have to pay it back. Not all of that is going to show up on the income statement results. So we have principal and interest. So without getting too far in the weeds, the takeaway is we want a financial plan. We want it detailed enough so that we kind of know how we can track and measure against it but we also want it simple enough so that we're really focusing on the material items and we're making sure that it's approachable and usable because ultimately that's that's the name of the game is we don't just create a financial plan and say we did it and then you never look at it again it has to be literally a roadmap that you're using on a regular basis this is what we thought would happen what actually happened oh there's a difference why was there a difference is that a good difference or a bad difference what do we need to do differently so the financial plan can be as simple as comp or as complicated as you like. I opt for simple um, at least to start. And then you can like anything you can, you can get more sophisticated, but blocking and tackling first financial plan. Second.
1: So I wonder if you agree with this statement because uh, it's related to, you know, I, I read this on Twitter one time and I, like, I, st- I stole it from there because I thought it was such a good statement. Somebody tweeted it and said that marketing, isn't a strategy it's process. And of course it's kind of a tweet. So it's supposed to be edgy in its way. But if you think about that, like so much of marketing is about like, what are you doing this week? It's it's about a practice. It's about the same kind of things. Like what can you get in the habit of doing consistently to win market share, to win customers and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. The question I have for you is like, is it similar with, with financial literacy and financial practices that it's, it's a lot about process and practice and what can you do to keep doing it Over and over, so that you maintain you know control over your bugs.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I love that. I hadn't hadn't heard that, but I yeah, I think it really. There's a lot of parallels because you need to identify what the right. You need to do the right things in order to get the right outcomes, and you need to do them consistently and repeatedly. So that doesn't just happen. I mean, there's you can here download this checklist, do these things, and maybe you'll get where you need to be. But need to sort of test against it. So, yeah, as a specific example, I talk a lot about. your cash flow process because at the end of the day the most important thing take away full stop is the cash flow of your business you know we can talk about net income it's not the same as cash flow so we really need to focus on cash specifically so there's certain processes that you really want to understand and do repeatedly and consistently uh, in order to achieve that outcome you know having a good positive cash flow so it's very much the same we talk about building the cash flow muscle right you know, do these cash flow things every day. Uh, it's like it's like hygiene for your financial statements for your bank account. It's you know, if you don't do these things regularly, repeatedly, and consistently, you're you're likely going to run into some challenges. So, yeah, it's very much a process. And you, there's different you know areas to focus on. Cash flow is just one example, but you can take that uh, to almost every aspect of your financial. And let's face it, I mean, your financials. Are really just a result of the actions that you're taking every day, anyway. Your brewers are brewing beer, your packages are are pack- packaging beer, your taproom staff is serving. They're all doing things that are incurring costs. They're all doing things that are driving revenue. They just happen to manifest themselves in, in numbers that show up on an income statement that you may or may not be reading. So it's happening whether you know it or not. So these financial processes and the discipline to follow them is really just a way to get you know good numbers and get that sort of consistent results. That that's super important is that consistent action to achieve those results.
1: Well, I, I think of this and you know, I'm relating to my own experience here because uh, I've started up a few businesses and it, it wasn't until you know I I was here in my third or fourth iteration of of running a business where we really took cash flow seriously in like the question that comes to my mind is like, it's a common question is like, well, can I afford to buy this right now? Whatever that is, whether it's hiring someone, whether it's a piece of equipment, whether it's a new computer or whatever. It's like, can I buy this right now? And cash flow was so important to helping us and helping me answer that question because your cash flow kind of projection is you're looking at three or four weeks, next month, the following month. It's like, okay, I'm gonna have these bills at this time. I need to have this much money to bank. I got this payment coming up. I gotta pay my loan amount, I gotta pay payroll. And being able to accurately understand how much cash is going to be needed at what time empowers you to make really smart decisions about the business right now. And until you actually get in the practice of doing that religiously, every, you know, whatever it is, every week, every couple of weeks, every month or whatever, you can't make an accurate analysis. You just can't. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but like, I, I just don't think you can make an accurate choice on what you need to do right now without looking at cash flow and a projection, a cash flow projections. Yeah, um, I would agree. So.
0: Yeah, and it's very comforting to see it. I mean, it may, it may not like what you see, right? You, see, this is the other problem why people don't always budget is like, I don't want to budget because I know what I'm <laughs> going to see. You know, I don't want to go to the doctor because I know what they're going to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stress me out. It's going to stress me like, out. That's probably not the best reason. I mean, I understand, but so you do the projection to kind of get an expectation of w- what does next month hold? What do the next six months hold? And if you don't like what you see, well, hey, you're in business, you got to roll up your sleeves and do what you can to fix Because there are things that are within our control, you know, that we can, whether we, we may not like to make those choices, but, you know, absent the visibility on what's coming, the other choice, do nothing, hope for the best. And you know, that's another line, right? Hope isn't a strategy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fly by the seat
1: of your pants. We have cash today. So we're open, <laughs> right. we're operational.
0: Right? You might be okay, but you also might go out of business. And unfortunately, a lot of a lot of businesses uh, run out of cash and they're dead in the water. And there's there's really no there's no saving that. So we you know I really preach a lot is you, know, you need to understand your cash position. You need to have a good cash forecast, and you really need uh, access to uh, not only cash but capital or other sources whereby if if you run into trouble. Um, and we've run into trouble the last two years with COVID. And I can guarantee you, it won't be the last. Might be the last of COVID. We can hope, but it won't be the last downturn in the market, downturn in the economy. Whether that's market specific for you or more, you know, globally, like we've seen. Uh, so, yeah, building those processes around good cash flow management is is really integral.
1: You know, another, you know, question that comes to mind that I think is related to this when we think about projections and decisions we need to make in the future, uh, is, you know, I'll be selfish in mentioning the marketing budget. You know, I think that's, there's many things that, uh, you know, come up that you want to make decisions about, but the marketing budget and how much money you really have and can afford and need to spend in order to hit your goals is related to this. It's like, okay, how much money do we have? How much do we need to set aside for marketing? Um, And uh, I wonder how much, how much do you talk about that with, with your clients? Is that a common question for you? And they're like, well, how much can I even spend? Like, what does that question even look like from, from your perspective?
0: Yeah. They ask all the time and, you know, I give them, I give them two answers, probably the answer they want. And then I give them the the truth. (laughs) So yeah, the answer that they want is give me a rule of thumb. You know, what percentage should I spend? And I'll throw out a number and just mostly to quiet them down so I can get to the next level. Say, so, you know, really, you probably want to be three to 5%, let's say. But it really depends, right? Like how much, what is your revenue now? If your revenue is zero, three to 5% is zero. That's not going to get you very far. Uh, if your revenue is a hundred million dollars, you make three to five, that's a lot of money. Maybe you don't need to be at that level. So that it's, it's a bigger question. Um, so again, a rule of thumb might be fine, three to 5%, but the real answer is, You want to look at your marketing spend in the context of your overall operating expense plan. What other items do you have? Well, we, you know, we really want to hire an event coordinator. Okay. Well, what's that going to do to the overall financial picture? Well, we really need to buy some more kegs. Okay. Well, what's that going to do to your cash flow? And how does that, so it's sort of like an organism, right? Your whole financial plan is all interdependent. So you really need a, financial plan that spells out sales margins, operating expenses, your details. And then you can make, then you can prioritize in there. Then you can say, well, you know, I think we're gonna hold off on this position because we'd rather add to our marketing budget because we think these things are gonna be more effective. Um, so it is a bit of a moving, moving target in that regard. So it, it depends on those things, like how, how big are you? Uh, it, it also depends how much value you place on marketing. Um, you know, because some breweries are all in other breweries are not. So it's very much um, it's, it's dependent on what your, not just your philosophy, but what your strategies, your tactics and your objectives and what you think is going to be an effective outcome. So it's, it's a great question. It happens all the time. And unfortunately there is, there's, I think a series of questions that you need to run through in order to get to the real answer. Um, Or you can just say, Hey, 5%.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, even for me to answer, because there's so many, like, well, it depends, it depends, it depends. Uh, I love what you said about prioritizing, because, you know, again, it's related to understanding where you're at, having control of your finances, being able to, you know, understand where you're going to be roughly in the next, you know, short amount of time, quarter, six months, but being able to place a priority on certain things, like what, what matters the most to your brewery right now? Do you need to be advertising to bring in business, or can you Lay off advertisements for a little while so that you can hire someone and staff up you know what does the priority you know list look like for you and then you've got your your bank of money so to speak that you can utilize your resources that you can use and how best can you utilize those um, but specifically with with the marketing budget compared to how much money you have it, it, there there are rule of thumbs out there like if you go and research like how much should i spend on marketing it's like well 5 10 15 20% It does depend on your business. It does depend on your financial situation. But I think that something I will add to what you've said is like, it's about scale. So like, what's your position right now as a business? Are you in a position where you need to grow rapidly? If so, then your marketing budget probably needs to look like, you know, higher 10, 15, 20%, depending on how aggressive you really need to be, how many competitors you have, how many, uh, you know, how many other people are in in your space advertising, that kind of thing. But if you're already established, you know, you've got strong market share. People know who you are. You've got good cash flow flowing in. You know, I never say don't spend money in marketing. Like you don't want your marketing budget to be zero. You want to maintain. But your percentage of your overall available cash or available spend is way lower than if you need to be aggressive or not. And then you could, you could imagine it as a scale beyond there. It's like, how aggressive? Okay, I'm an eight out of a 10, or I'm a six out of a 10, or I'm a four out of a 10 um and you can go from there and then it's about what you can afford to if five percent of your top line revenue is is twenty thousand dollars and you're like i don't have a twenty thousand dollar marketing budget it's like okay well it doesn't need to be five percent but think about where you're at scale wise uh to be able to pull that off um yeah so you know that's a that's an interesting question another one that comes to mind too is like it's related is like how do i price my stuff you know it the reason I think this is related is because margin is part of this, and margin helps cash flow. You know, this is where you actually make you know your money to make decisions on stuff, and it's another really sticky one. is like how do we price stuff? Um, and I want to ask you, like, do you have any like like best practices or or uh, ways that you approach developing a price model for a brewery?
0: Yeah, it starts with, so the components of, and to answer that question properly is you want to understand what it costs to make your products. And if you're, if you're simply brewing beer and selling it to the taproom, you know, the cost is frankly not as important. It's important, but it's not as important. But if you're, if you're self-distributing, you're putting your product into cans and bottles and this, that, and the other, and, or you're going through a wholesaler, uh, Understanding your costs is critical, and particularly throughout your portfolio, and the margins can be very different whether you're selling, say, keg beer, draft beer versus, uh, you know, twelve pack cans. It's, it's remarkable and stunning, and you know we saw that a lot during the pandemic when there was so much shifting. Right, nobody could sell draft beer, so we all went into cans, and then you found out uh, one way or the other that, wow, my margins are not as good on these as they were in draft. What happened? I'm not making as much money. Um, and then you had supply chain issues and all that other good stuff. But so, yeah, the starting point with pricing is really to have a good costing strategy. And if you've got brewery management software and you've got it set up properly, it, it can happen almost automatically. Uh, if you don't and you're, and you're doing things more with spreadsheets, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so long as you can kind of get your hands around it, that you really do understand, you know, what are the costs of to make my beer? What are the costs to put these in different package configurations and and run through your portfolio? So I do the simple exercises. Let's start with your best-selling beer because everybody has one. And let's look at the different types of ways in which you sell that. Okay. So you got a half barrel, maybe you got a a one, six barrel, maybe you got four pack 16 ounce cans, on and on, whatever your configurations are. You most have you know, four to six different configurations. And then let's let's cost them out, you know, what does it cost for that half barrel versus that two 12 pack can? And then you lay that out and then you say, well, what are, if you're already selling a beer, what is what are the prices for each of these? And you may be selling it, uh, say through your tap room, say you have those four packs. Uh, you may be also self-distributing, you may be using a wholesale or some combination. And then I suggest that you kind of look at the price points for each way that you go to market. So what what am I making on that beer if I sell it through the taproom? Well it's say it's $12.99 just making up you know for $12.99 four pack and you know the thing only cost me whatever five bucks. Oh that's pretty good. And then you do that through self-distribution. You know you've got other costs there and a wholesaler and you can look at what the margin impact is. So the first is they say seek to understand. First seek to understand what your costs are. And yeah. the next is look at what you're pricing, and if you and if you haven't already, if you're still in sort of the planning phase, like, well, I don't know what to. Pr- I haven't started my brewery. I don't know what to price it for. That's where this exercise can be very useful because then you can look and see. Here's what I think I'd like to price it at. Oh, that margin will work for me. And now you have to take the next step, which is um, test it against reality. Right? What does reality actually tell you? you? Go out in the market and you say, well, let's start with some comparable brands. Well, that IPA and my IPA, I think we're kind of on. I want to be priced kind of similar to that. Well, that he's on the shelf; they're on the shelf at nine ninety nine. Oh, geez, I wasn't going to do that. Okay, and then you take the nine ninety nine price to consumer consumer on the shelf, and you work it back and see if that's going to hold up and allow you to achieve your financial results, the margin expectations that you need. And again, that's all in the context of your financial plan. So your financial plan is going to tell you, hey, I need a blended whatever it is, 45% margin. And then I go and run these price scenarios. And uh, wow, I'm only getting 30% on that. That's something doesn't add up. And this can, this can be useful too, if you're launching a new product or in particularly if you're launching a new package. So does the 12 pack example, you know, if you're a brewery out there and you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, hey, we've been thinking about 12 packs. Well, I'd encourage you to look at what are the costs? What are your expectations for pricing? What does that do to your margin? Can you live with that? How does that affect your overall blend? And then don't for, don't forget, if you're working through wholesalers and even self-distributing, you know, you've got deal pricing. So deal pricing, you know, dollar off. It happens all the time. You know, this, that, and the other. And it's going to likely, you do deals so that you can get volume, but you're also getting less margin per. So you kind of have to factor that into what your total margin is. So pricing is a, pricing's a, you know, a deep discussion. You know, I've definitely yeah, got know. some templates that I can... Uh, Sure, I saw that you had a
1: uh, you have a whole blog blog article and a podcast on pricing, and yeah. I encourage anybody to go check it out because you've got like really cool visuals in there. You talk about these different factors. You got like a spreadsheet that you're looking at, which it's really makes a lot more sense to look at the stuff looking at a spreadsheet. It's hard to visualize it uh, through audio or through you know just us talking. But I really like that you mentioned looking at the market because. I think it's almost a mistake, at least from my perspective, to just do straight cost plus. It's like, all right, this is my cost. This is what I want the margin to be. Boom. Because you might be missing something in the market on either side. You could be missing you're way too expensive and no one's going to buy your stuff anyways because you're priced out. Or you could be way underpriced and you're missing potential margin. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, But understanding where the market is at is super important and your point about the financial plan too once you understand where the market's at where your margin is maybe there's some work you can do on the cost side like what actions can you take to reduce costs or spread that cost over a wider period of time to try to reduce down costs like um, i I just had a conversation with uh, a brewery client of mine that's like dealing with labels and it's like labels can be expensive especially with materials and their supplier had an issue where they don't have the material they were using before, so now they've got to switch to another material. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. So his solution was we should buy more of it, reduce our cost down. It's going to be more cost right now, but over time it fits with our financial plan, so on and so forth. But unless you really understood the full picture here, you're not going to be able to make a, a smart choice on, on that front. Um, but anyways, I, I think your point about looking in the market was was especially nice. I think I'm a marketer, so I'm like, yeah, you should always look
0: at the market. That's, <laughs> well, that's what you should pick, be doing all the time. Let me pick all up right. on the cost. Your, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it's everything looks good on a spreadsheet. But once you go to reality, it may not match up. But yeah, yeah. your point about cost. So this, I love what you just said. And it reminded me of a, so another practical use of sort of financial literacy is really so that once you know, right, you've got the knowledge, now you can really dig in and do something about it. So once you, it's very interesting to, to me that. Once you write down and you list out and you get to know your costs, you do, you start, your your brain naturally thinks, well, huh, could I do that differently? You know, maybe we can get a better price on this. Maybe I don't have to order that anymore. Maybe I can contract out this and lock in a lower rate. Maybe I can, the brainstorming is just really cool. I find that stuff really cool. So there's two two sides of the equation, right? There's, what are you going to charge for it? What does it cost you to make it? That's it. So you can work on those two <laughs> yeah. variables, right? Because yeah. we always take a price increase. You know, eventually, okay, yeah, I could take a price increase. And what would that look like? How's that going to impact volume? I don't know, but here's what it might look like. But cost is very controllable. And then again, once you gain the awareness of what are my costs, what are all the flavors of costs? Because there's lots, right? Packaging, production, equipment. Let, finish, let's talk about, uh, you know, how are you uh, Dealing with your kegs, you know, are you buying these kegs? Are you tracking where they are? These these factor into your cost. So there's so many opportunities, I would say. It can be really cool. But you, you're basically, once you do that cost exercise, you're making a list of potential areas uh, to improve your financial results. You really are.
1: Yeah, you can war game at that point war game. And, and play around and, and think about different scenarios. And, and uh, by the way, you might not be right on a decision you make, but if you're measuring it accurately, Over and over and over, like you can understand that quickly and make a decision next month. You know, same with with you know advertising. I tell this to clients all the time. I said, I say that like we're not gonna know really until we see what happens in the marketplace. We really look at engagement, we look at traffic, we look at what piece of collateral we may think an ad is amazing and we love it, but then we throw it in the market and it tanks, it bombs, nobody likes it. Uh, it just goes nowhere, and we have to be humble enough to say, "All right, that was that was a bad idea. Let's learn from it to do something different." But I think you know the same would be true with with your ongoing financial process. Like, okay, that didn't work. You know, the price increase impacted volume negatively. We got to bring price back, you know, a little bit down. But maybe we can mess around with something else and try to mm-hmm. try to do that for a little while. Um, is there like any kind of like thinking about this experimentation? idea is like is there any time frame that you'd put around making these kind of financial decisions and seeing them play out is it is a month long enough or should you be thinking more in quarters and, and half years or or is it really weekly or even daily where you need to be looking at the stuff and making decisions and seeing them play out? What would you what would you say to that?
0: I think it depends on you know what it is and the materiality of it. So for example if you're launching a new product right so that might be a one that folks wrestle with all the time. Um, you know, I want to go out in 12 packs and some questions that I might have are, uh, you know, I've already got, say, six packs in the market. I'm a little worried about this concept of cannibalization, right? If I launch a 12 pack, maybe I get the sale there and I lose the sale in the six pack and the six packs have better margins. So I just, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, So for something like that, where you've got kind of a blend of a financial outcome that you're trying to achieve. And then you've also got sort of a, a, a branding outcome. Like what are you, are you the 12 pack brewery or the six pack brewery or both or what, what's happening? So you don't want consumer confusion. So there's lots to consider in that example. Um, but I guess what I would say is I would start with having a good way to kind of track and measure uh, what your outcomes are and then against what objective that you're trying to achieve. So the cannibalization piece, you know, you know where your products are if you're out at retail. Uh, You know, generally what you have for placements and generally what you've had for for turn within those. So you've got a way to kind of historically measure against. So I would set those systems up first and then I would let the thing run and then you can test and measure against it. Um, So what is the right time frame on that? Hard to say. I mean, if you're coming in, say, with a 12 pack with a seasonal, I mean, you can you can test it for that season, I guess. Um, You know, there's ways to experiment with different package types outside of your core brand. You know, There's pluses and minuses to this. Uh, you know, a special release, you can only get it in 12 packs. Well, that shouldn't cannibalize anything else. So maybe that takes that off the table. Um, but really, I think it would come back to understanding what are the cost implications? What are the margin implications of doing something like that? Um, and then having those good systems to kind of track and measure against it. But there's there's a million ways that you can think about that question that you asked, like how long should you, should you let this run? And I do think it's going to really depend on uh, kind of the materiality of it. Is this is this a project? Uh, is this something so so maybe another example is, you know, we want to enter into a new market, right? That's another, you know, we're going to open up a new state. Oh, geez, what does that look like? All right. So we again we want a financial plan for that. What are our expectations for sales and margins? What do we need a salesperson up there? Uh, are we going to be running, you know, what is this going to mean? And then maybe that's a longer run rate, because it's going to take a while to get in. Maybe say, so I think you set these goals up front. And you, and you look at, again, the materiality of it. If it's a new market, you'd say, we wanna give this at least a couple of years to take root. You know, For example, if it's a new package type, you know, maybe we're looking at one season or six months or a full cycle, full selling cycle, things of that nature. Um, but I think the fundamentals are, have good ways to kind of track what your goals are and what outcomes you're achieving related to those.
1: Yeah, it's everyone's favorite answer is that it depends.
0: Depends. I try not to say that, but it is true. I yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it does depend. You're right.
1: I think, I think though, your comments are super helpful because you know it, yeah, it depends, but really understanding what it depends on and planning to measure those things over time and having like a, a reasonable forecast and a plan put forth to, to understand that stuff. Um Speaking of measuring stuff, you know, what do we measure? You know, uh, it's, that's another really good question that I think both of us field plenty of times. Like what are the KPIs we should care about? You know, uh, cause there's a million things you could be looking at, especially true in the marketing world. There's like a bajillion metrics and these platforms want to shove everything in your face, but there's, there's a few that really matter, um, a lot, but I want to ask that question of you. It's like, you know, when we're thinking about, financial planning and sales growth and these kind of things. Like what are the KPIs that, you know, we should be focused on for, for growth? Let's, let's narrow it down to growth and say, all right, what are the growth KPIs?
0: Right. So it really depends on where, how you go to market. So if we talk about for taproom growth, I'm generally going to measure two or three things, right? How many customers are going to come in? What do they spend when they do? And that's really going to let it, just like we talked about price and cost. If I kind of keep it simple, and then I drill down on those two simple things, I can then brainstorm on how to make them better, right? The end result, can I change the price a little bit? Yeah, you can a little bit. Can I change the cost? Yeah, you can reduce that a little bit. Guess what you you just spread your margin. Um, So if we talk about the tap room, it's who's coming in, what are they spending when they get there? So how can I get more people in and get them to spend more? So then I can just focus on those two things. Another thing might, a third metric might be, what is the frequency with which they return? So when when I was back in my CPA days, we we would talk about a rate volume calculus. This is rate and volume. So volume, how many people come in rate? What do they spend? That's it. So they just really simplify it. And then you can get more complicated with all of your marketing tactics, promotional tactics, everything, everything that we know, you know, and then we can experiment with, with what works and see how it influences uh, those metrics. So those are pretty simple and straightforward and maybe almost too much. So people overlook them. Well, I, I want something better. Well, that, that's how sales happen, customers and what they spend. And uh, so that's that. And then on, this, on the distribution side, once you leave your tap room, you know, you're really looking at um, a couple of things is, you know, you kind of want to measure what your market penetration is. So you kind of start with what is the market. So we look at how many available outlets are there for my beer. So say in a given market where you distribute or wanna distribute, say there's a thousand accounts. And then you kinda of wanna winnow that into how many are, are really good sites for my beer? Well, probably half, maybe a third. So let's say 300 of them. And then you're gonna track and see how many of those accounts you know, am I in right now if you've already been distributing? So basically what's your, what percentage of the available market that you, you, your target market are actually purchasing your product? So that might, that might be one, is what's the account listing? How many are we placed in? So we just boil it down and say, what are, what are our placements look like? And what that can do, which is kind of interesting is it could give you a buy, no buy. This is very common for a distribution world is it'll run me a buy, no buy account. There's X number of accounts that can buy it. There's only 50% of X that are buying it. And then we've established kind of a target market. Let's go talk to those accounts. It's very simple, but you know once you have that data, Those are important ways to kind of drive revenue. And then, so I would probably leave it there, but you can continue on down and you want to look at shelf space and you want to look at velocity per location. How fast is my beer kind of running through? How fast am I, you know, replenishing that? And what does that volume per outlet look like? Uh, Because in any scenario, we're going to see accounts, uh, it's the classic 80-20 analysis, you know, 80% of your volume is going to come from 20% of your customers. Well, which ones are they? Let's spend more time there. So I like to suggest that people understand and use the 80-20 analysis to help drive their business like that. Because it's going to be, we have two things that drive our business. It's our customers and it's our products. And if we do an 80-20 on each of those, that can be very uh, enlightening. Because we can say, wow, I didn't. I guess I didn't realize how much business... So if I'm going to 300 accounts, I guess I didn't realize how much business those 25 accounts are. That's 80% of my business. And it almost always happens that way. You run it and you're like, that can't be right. Well, that actually is right. So then we can make decisions like, well, why don't I spend more time with those 25? Because that's where the majority of, and if I can increase that, I'm going to exponentially, you know, do better than I would if I was trying to spend time in those 270 other accounts. Um, so that's kind of how I think you could go on and on. I think the
1: relationships to... between the numbers matter too. Uh like, oh, yeah the like you know, your your percentage increase month to month, quarter to quarter, year over year on these things that you're measuring. Like like I think that matters a ton because and I'm I'm relating this to a question of like, well, what should my numbers be at? And I think that's the next logical question with a lot of this stuff, but it's like, well. There's the industry standard, sure, but like you should be probably measuring your results based on what you've been doing. How much growth are you receiving? You talk about those key accounts, those 20 to 25 accounts. Like, well, are we achieving growth in those accounts? Like, what's our percentage growth there? Do we lose? You know, do we shrink out of those? That's a really, really important number in all this stuff because that's going to help you make decisions on any of this stuff. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that comes back to the financial plan. So if we were to zoom zoom in, I guess, on the financial plan a little bit, you know, one big component of it is the sales plan. And that's not just one or two or five line items on your income statement. I mean, it is, but there's uh, essentially a detailed sales plan that supports that overall sales growth objectives that we have on our income statement. That sales plan can be exactly what you just said is, you know, I know what these 25 accounts are. I'm going to set targets for each of them in terms of growth. What did they buy last year? What new brands are coming out? What are they, what do we anticipate they're going to buy next year? We think growth of X, say 10% for our best account. Well, okay, what did we do last year? Well we grew we grew at eight percent. We're going to grow at 10. Why? How are we going to grow more? And then you have action items that kind of support that. So then that financial plan can be distributed, you know, to your sales team in that example. Uh, and they know what the targets are. And then you can get even more granular and say, all right, well, it's, it's that account, but what are they buying? You said they're going to grow 10% of what? Like which products? Okay. Well, okay. it's going to be, we're, we're rolling out 12 packs. We expect that. That's going to be new. That should be incremental. That should not be. And then you get um, just that level of detail. And again, you're trying to balance, like, you don't want to overwhelm everybody, but you do want to have enough granularity in your plan so that you can measure against it. To your point, you know, what were my expectations in these top 25? And what am I actually achieving? And I do need to look at that on a regular basis. And and very often what you can do too is you can align that with, say, compensation for the sales team. So if the goal is 10% growth in your number one account and this person is your sales, you align their compensation with hitting that goal, hitting and and achieving and exceeding that goal. So you can connect all these things together. Great
1: point. Great point. And this is is the exciting moment because like so much of how we did make decisions on what we're going to market and how we're going to do it matter for this reason. Because if you make the decision, okay, we want to try to grow these 10 accounts. um, You could run your marketing campaigns around those 10 accounts. You could literally pop a one mile geofence around that location. And if you're introducing 12 packs into that zone, you should be running ads about 12 packs in that zone. And then like people ask like, how do you measure the impact of marketing? It's it's really tough in this industry because unlike other like digital, like e-commerce stuff, which a lot of marketing is focused on, there's like a direct line with e-commerce. We spent X, we got the click here. We, they purchased, we could see the line with, with this. It's not as direct at all. Like we, we run ads and we don't really know how many people bought stuff with those ads. But what we can tell is overarching trends. And if we ran, ads for 12 packs on these 10 accounts over these 12 or 10 locations and then saw how that impacted our previous numbers when we've been running 12 packs in that zone before, okay, we can make a reasonable estimation that marketing had X kind of impact, that it had some kind of impact on it in that space. And that is a way smarter way to approach your marketing than let's just advertise to everybody, you know, in a 10 mile radius or you know, whatever. It's like, can they even buy a 12 pack? Like you're going to hit them with the 12 pack and there's, there's not a 12 pack for four miles. Like, uh, that's not really reasonable. Probably not. So, you know, this is why I think it's exciting that we're having this conversation right now because that's how you bridge these connections is where do, we, where do we need to go? Then use marketing as your tool to help you achieve those things. But if you don't know what you're trying to achieve at the gate, at the gate, then marketing might not help you at all. It might help. You might get lucky. Sometimes you hit, you know, but if you're not being tactical about it, then you could miss big time. And yeah. to your point, it's, it's about knowing where you're at and and having your plan and then building your strategy from yeah. that, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. And you kind of said at the beginning, like we're going to bring this sort of financial planning and marketing plan together and how, how we're not quite sure how we're going to do it. And that's how you do it, right? Maybe yeah. the financial plan is really going to identify targets, and then the marketing is going to execute on, you know, the plan, the promotion, whatever it is towards that. And then you'll have systems to say, did that, did that work or not? Uh, you're not always going to know for 100%, but you certainly will know if you tighten the noose the way that you just described. And then, cause there's always other factors, right? If you layer in a compensation plan, well, it worked, did it work because of the compensation plan or the marketing? That's where you can kind of, te- right. You can test these trial and error well, don't do the compensation plan, just do the marketing, see what happens. And then, and then just do the comp plan and see what happens. And then put them together and see what happens. So you can uh, come at it from all these different ways, but it really does start with the, with the plan, financial plan, where am I going, marketing plan, how am I going to get you know those sales?
1: Man, yeah, this has been incredibly enlightening. Thank you for allowing me the chance to ask these questions because, yeah, yeah, I've dealt with finances, you know, through the businesses that I've owned, but Talking to somebody who really knows this stuff and has you know a ton of experience dealing with it in this industry is enlightening. Um, but I'll turn the I'll turn the page on you if you have the time. I will totally say, hey, you challenge me, man. Like, what what questions do you have from the financial perspective about marketing and see see what I can answer for you.
0: I would love to do that. And this is this is the side of the microphone I'm usually on and more comfortable on. But I, <laughs> you, you're you're a great. Yeah. Uh, you're a great asker of questions, and I, I enjoyed that conversation. It's great, you know, to have someone. It's so important to have someone that's sort of interested and, you know, wants to know, right? Because because that gets me kind of going, like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to, you know, provide what I think is right, but also enough space to, to leave room for other, other ways of achieving certain goals. But I really enjoyed uh, the questions. Great job there.
1: I'm learning too, man. And and that's, it's part of the experience and the journey with me is like, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. So I'm excited about learning. I'm like, Oh, I gotta ask you this question. I gotta ask you this question. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. So I'm happy
0: to. All right. Well, get ready. Cause now I have the interviewer hat on and you are the interviewee. Are you ready? Oh, okay, here we go. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.